Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, we began a new series that will lead us through this annual corporate fast. And last week, we specifically looked at the temptations that Christ faced while he was in the wilderness. Satan visited Christ while he was fasting for 40 days. And, and we all have to deal with those same temptations. And, and I kind of labeled them like this last Sunday. The first one was the temptation to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. The second one was the temptation to try and manipulate God to accomplish your will. And the third one was the temptation to do the right thing at the wrong time using the wrong methods. And we're all guilty of those things. Those are the temptations that we all face in our lives. But Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 and 33, and I'm going to continue to repeat this verse throughout this series. He said, but seek first. Somebody say first. first. That's what we're doing. That's what this, this whole annual fasting and prayer, that's what the consecrate services are about. We are giving God the first of our year. And Jesus said, seek first. Say it again. First. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And, and so we don't have to focus on the things, we have to focus on him. And when you focus on him, he says, all these things will be added to you. Now that doesn't mean that, that God is just going to give you your wish list. What that means is that when you focus on him, some of your heart's desires will begin to change. And God will make sure that the desires that he's putting in your heart come to pass. And so when you focus first on him, seek him first, all these things will be added to you. You know, church, we often look at hunger in a negative light. We do. Think about it. Every Miss America contestant, what does she, what does she long for? What does she wish for? To end world hunger, not to end world peace. Who said that? <laughs> they don't, they don't want to, we're, we're fighting for world peace. Come on, people. To end world hunger, hunger. And, and, and we see news of, of mistreated dogs, and, and, and they're carried away to, to a shelter, and, and, and when they're carrying them out of that house or out of that, 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 that backyard, wherever they've been you know, captive, you can see their ribs, and, and the dogs are hungry, and it, and it pulls on our heartstrings. And, and, and we see commercials on TV of, of kids in, in Africa, and we're moved with compassion as they're fighting hunger and it causes us to want to fight worldwide hunger and when we think of hunger we don't immediately see how a hungry condition can actually be beneficial how it can be positive for us but hunger can be a sign of good health think about the person who has been sick for a week and all week long they can't keep anything down now for those of you that have you know queasy stomachs so just Stay with me right now. I've actually prayed. I was like, God, don't let it break out. You know, when I say this and, and one person starts over here and the next person starts here and before you know it, we just got a, a pandemic of everybody throwing up in the room. That's not what I want. But, but think about that person who's been sick for a week. They can't keep anything down. Just the mention of food makes them sick to their stomach and they're weak and they're puny. But what happens when they start feeling better? When they start coming up, they become hungry again. They want to eat. That's when you know somebody is really feeling good, is when they start craving food or certain types of food once again. You know that they've overcome that sickness. I remember 
the, the day before my high school graduation, it was, we, I, I got, uh, or actually, I, I graduated in Columbia County, and we graduated at the football stadium. And I, I, I remember right after the graduation rehearsal, uh, me and a group of friends, we went swimming at a quarry. And, and I remember on the way, we went through the Taco Bell drive through right there on Highway 90 in Lake City. We went through the Taco Bell drive through and I'm pretty sure I scarfed it down on the way to the quarry to swim. We got there, we swam for a few hours, and by 10 o'clock that night back at home, I was doubled over. I was hugging the toilet. I mean, I, I was sick as a dog. And I became dehydrated to the point to where they had to take me to the hospital. I don't even remember my high school graduation. I remember the doctor looking at my mom and saying, he is too sick, there's no way he'll walk. They hooked me up to an IV when they let me out, I went home, changed clothes, and got ready for high school graduation. I don't even remember it. I was there. There's pictures to prove it. But man, I was, I was really sick, really sick. I, to this day, I still have a hard time eating Taco Bell. And it took me about 15 years before I would even touch it, before I'd even think about it. My poor kids, they did not grow up eating Taco Bell because I just didn't want it, and we just didn't go through the drive through and, uh, and, you know, today it's one of those emergency situations when you're just starving and you're in a hurry. You know, that's, that's the only reason why we use it today. After you recover, the first thing that you want to do is that appetite begins to replenish. You want to eat. And church, the same thing can be said of spiritual hunger. That it's not a negative sign. Spiritual hunger, as I mentioned last week, I'm not, when I say that we need to hunger for God, it, 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 when we need to starve for him, I'm not saying that we need to be malnourished. I'm saying that we need to want him so much, so badly in our lives that we starve for him, that we're hungry for him, and it's actually a sign of spiritual health. It's a sign that a person has been healed and, and they've been made whole and, and, and they long to draw closer to God so they become hungry once again for him. If you've ever been healed, if you've ever been made whole, if your marriage has ever been healed, if your mind has ever been made whole, if you've experienced physical, mental, or spiritual healing in your life, then you know what I'm talking about because when you begin to remember what God has done for you, it will make you hungry for his presence once again. I closed last Sunday with a word that was shared with me by one of our administrative council members, B.J. Vaden, on November the 22nd. I want to quote part of that one more time because I think it fits so great with what I want to talk to you about this morning. It came up to me on November the 22nd after I preached a sermon closing out a series called A Blueprint for Worship, and there was just a, a, a great move of God in the room that day, and he said these words. He, says, he said, I've never seen a church that serves like DCC, but God not only desires for us to be a serving church, but also a starving church. And I want to dig a little bit more into that today. Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10, and just hold your Bibles open because I am going to, to move forward a few chapters in, in a little while and, and try and bring two, two scenarios together out of the life of Christ um, that I, I don't know if it's possible, but we're going to see how the Holy Spirit leads with that. Luke chapter 10, I want to read verses 38 through 42 to begin with. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. 
It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I often pick on my father-in-law. He's here. My father-in-law and mother-in-law are here in service this morning. I often pick on him a lot from the pulpit, and, um, and it's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's a, it's a gift that God has given me in my life that he doesn't have the microphone, and I do. And, uh, and I often pick on him, but I thought today that I would be nice to him and that I would actually pick on my mother-in-law instead. Um, this is totally unexpected. She has no idea where I'm heading right now, and I love it. I love it. It's great. My mother-in-law is notorious for never sitting down. She is a, a workaholic. Not necessarily on her job, though I know she does a great, a, a, a great job, a great work on her job, and, 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 and she's, she's, she's great at what she does. But even when she gets home, she never stops doing if you are a guest at her house, the whole time that you were there, she is constantly working and serving. Family, can I get an amen? I mean, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. She is, is, is running around while we're all relaxing and watching TV. She is, is busy while we're breaking. She is, is doing while we're dining. And I get it. I get it, because if I had to look at his face at every meal, I would be busy doing something else too. Sorry, it just, it's just natural, it happens. Some people just don't know how to stop, like my mother-in-law. They just don't know how to stop. And for years, we've been telling her, just sit down, just relax, we're all here together, just enjoy the moment. But she is always doing. I mean, I have watched her look around the table and, and look at everyone's glasses, and she will be the one on the opposite side of the table away from the kitchen to get up and make sure that everyone has refills. And, and it's not just refills. She makes sure that they have ice in their glass too. She's never stopping in constant motion. And that's how some people are. They're just always in constant motion. There's never enough hours in the day. And apparently Martha was one of those people. But on this day, Martha finally had enough. Have you ever been there? Have, have you ever just, just watched as, as you do everything and nobody else is doing anything at all and, and you just, you've had it up to here and all of a sudden you just, you just kind of lose it for a moment? Well, Martha does this. She marches over to Jesus and she looks at Jesus and she says, Lord, I picture the pause there. I don't know if it did. There's a comma in the Bible. I don't know. But she says, Lord, seriously, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. She didn't go to Mary. She didn't go to her sister. She went straight to Jesus. She took the situation to God and said, Lord, 
There's an injustice in my life. I'm in the kitchen. I'm working. And she's sitting in here shooting the breeze with all of you men. What's up with this? Lord, would you just tell her? Her, that one right there. I'm not even talking to her. Lord, would you tell her to get up off her butt and come help me in the kitchen? It's like Martha just had to get it off of her chest. Because Jesus, the disciples, and her sister Mary, they're all sitting in there laughing and having a good time. And you've been there. You know what it's like, women, when you're sitting there washing the dishes and he's in there watching football or reruns of The Office. And he's in there laughing, having a good time while you're slaving over cooking and washing dishes and cleaning the kitchen. Men, you know what it's like. You're outside, you're push mowing the yard. It's Saturday. It's your day off. Got to keep those lines straight. It's your day off, and where is she at? She's at the mall. I hope it's not the Oaks Mall because that thing is becoming extinct. But she's at the, at the mall, and she is blowing all your hard-earned money while you're working. And man, we feel justified in our anger in those moments, don't we? We want to say, God, on her way home, would you let her tire go flat? And I'm just going to hide my phone over here where I can't get the phone call. And she has to change it on the side of the road right by herself. <laughs> or woman, you're washing dishes. You know what this is like. He's in there just enjoying football while you're sitting there watching. Lord, just, I hope I forgot to pay the cable bill this month. Just, I hope, I hope. She's got to get it off of her chest. Because Mary's in there just having a good time. And she marches into that living room and she gives Jesus a piece of her mind. And sometimes, church, we are too concerned with saying our peace that we fail to sit at the feet of the, of the Prince of Peace. Because we're so headstrong and we're so justified in, our, in, in how we've been wronged that we fail to see that the Prince of Peace is there to offer peace. Martha is stressed out. Out. And who wouldn't be? Jesus and his disciples were walking by. The Bible gives us no recollection at all that this was a planned event. They're walking by. She sees them walking by and she's like, like every good hostess, Monica on Friends. Je hey, Jesus, good to see you guys. Y'all come on in. Y'all come in. Let me make you a little something to eat. What did I just do? Oh, my Lord. What did I? She gets herself into this mess. And just imagine if, if the Son of God is about to show up at your house. I have intentionally stalled 
when I knew someone was coming to our house on short notice to give my, my wife and my daughter time to run and cl clean up or that they've texted me and said, hey, so-and-so's coming over. Could you clean up real quick? You know what this is like. I, I can't imagine what she was going through to host Jesus and the disciples at her house. But then it happens. Let me just get this off my chest. And notice that Jesus never rebukes Martha for serving. He never says anything about her serving. He gently rebukes her for her worry and her anxiety. There's a reason, Martha, why Mary is carefree. And it's because she's sitting at my feet. I am the Prince of Peace. Now let's transition just a few chapters here to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I don't know exactly how much time has passed here, but it, it, it wasn't too much time. Luke chapter 15. And I want to share this, this parable with you, and I'm going to read it in its entirety here. And it's about a son and a father. It's the parable of, of the prodigal son. That's what we're used to calling it. But I want to take a little bit of, of a different approach to this, and, and hopefully it'll all come together and, and it'll make sense to us. If not, um, God bless you. Luke 15, Luke 15, verse 11, and he said, Jesus is speaking, so he shares this story that, that, that he just kind of makes up. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Unholy hunger, church, will cause damage to the most meaningful relationships in your life. This son was wanting to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. He wanted money to live on. Even though he had it good in his father's house, he was ready to be out on his own. 
And he wanted his share of the inheritance now. And he demanded that from his father. Legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Unholy hunger. It will cause you to place too much value on the temporal and devalue the eternal. And I have said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times around this church. The only thing that we can take to heaven with us is what? Relationships. That's it. An unholy hunger will cause us to devalue the eternal. The things that matter the most. I know this firsthand because my drive and my ambition once almost cost me my marriage. Some of you that have been around here for a while, you, you know my story. But I was doing it all even in the name of ministry. I had already started full-time in the ministry. I was a youth pastor. And, and I was willing to minister to everyone else, but not to my home. Not to my wife and not to my very young kids at the time. And Mandy and I found ourselves at this, at this terrible crossroads and when I was around, she only wanted to argue about when I wasn't around. And when I was around, I wanted to ignore the problems as to why I didn't want to be around. And we just found ourselves in, in, in this tough place. Without going into all the details of all that, thank God that we eventually came to our senses and we walked through those tough times and the conversations that had to take place rather than giving up. Eventually, in this parable that Jesus tells, eventually this son comes to his senses too. Verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? You see, in this moment, this is a holy hunger. Because now he's willing to do whatever it takes to make things right with his father. He's come to his senses. His mind has been made whole again. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And his father looks at him and says, Son, I don't want you to be serving today. Today's the day of celebration. Today... I want you to come sit at the table with me. We're going to kill the fattened calf. We're going to eat good tonight. Filet mignon for everyone. We're going to put this royal robe on you that says that you're in good standing with me. You're once again my son. Today, son, I don't want you serving. Today, I want you in communion with me. In a church like ours with a rich history of serving, we can easily get so caught up in serving and forget to sit in his presence. If God is calling us to do anything in this new year, he's calling us as a church body to seek him more, to sit at his feet more, 
to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what the scripture says that he longs for. He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's not necessarily looking for servants. Now, don't get me wrong. When you sit in the presence of the Lord, it will ignite a fire inside of you. It is a natural byproduct that you will want to serve. But he says, today, son, today, I want you just to enjoy being in my presence. There is a time to be like Martha and to serve what God is longing for out of Destiny Community Church is for us to be like Mary and to sit at his feet and just to be in his presence. I've thought a lot about the people that, that I, would I would love to meet. I would love to meet. One of those is, is Larry Bird. I would love to meet Larry Bird. I grew up loving the Celtics and the, the, the 1980s Celtics that were so great. In my office, I have an autographed jersey of Larry Bird, an autographed lithograph on the wall of Larry Bird, and, and I'm just a huge fan. But to be honest with you, I don't want to meet him because I've, I've heard too many things and, and, and too many interviews where he's a jerk. I, I just, I know he is, and it's just going to ruin everything. But there was this one moment that we were in the Bahamas. And we ran into the arch enemy of Larry Bird, which now they're actually really good friends, but it was Magic Johnson. It was unexpected. It was on the backside of the Atlantis Resort. And, when, and, and we, we, we ran into him, and I, I can tell you this. I was not focused on anything else but Magic Johnson. And, and the story goes like this, is that we were on the, the ship that night, and we were supposed to, or we were going to dinner, and I walked out in, in shorts and a, a T-shirt, uh, Celtics, like long sleeve T-shirt. It was a little cool that night. And my wife looks at me and she says, would you please, please wear something besides that T-shirt? We're going to dinner. It's, gonna, it's a nice night. Go wear something else. And I, I reluctantly changed shirts and put on a collar like a golf shirt. Thank God I did because Magic Johnson would never have give, never given us the time of day had I had a Celtic shirt on. He has no idea to this day who I am, but he has no idea to this day that I was a Celtics fan. I remember he's walking out the door and I said, magic, and he turns around, his family kept walking. I said, come on, man, just a picture, just a picture. I, I, wanted, I wanted to remember this moment. And he says, I'll take one with the boy. And my son went over and he got his picture made. And then he said, come on, Pop, you get in the picture too. And we got our picture made. And I'm, I'm giddy in the picture, man. If you ever see it, I'm like... <gasps> It's Magic Johnson, you know. But man, I was all there. I mean, my eyes were focused on him. I just, I, I wanted to remember this moment. When we stand in the presence of a holy king, he doesn't want us focused on what tomorrow's troubles at work are going to look like. He doesn't want us focused on the argument that you had on the way to church this morning. You know who I'm talking to. When you stand in the presence of a holy God, 
he says, I, I don't want you focused on, on those problems, Martha. I don't want you focused. I don't want your anxiety high. Listen, son, I don't want you serving right now. I just want your attention on me. Come be with me. Come sup with me. Come be in my presence in this moment. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.